So in my world, here in Austria, it's a very glorious day today. Very sunny and we have also lots of snow. So it would be the perfect day for skiing, but I don't ski. So I can just stay here and uh, speak about the second Vipanasa, which is about Dukkha. And on our handout is written, um, the definition of the second Vipalasa is seeing what is painful, dukkha, as pleasant, sukha. So, you know, this is one of those four very fundamental distortions of... Uh, experience for us as unenlightened uh, human beings and needs to be corrected and the question is how you know how can it be corrected and this whole weekend is actually you know trying to lay out some practices which can support us in correcting these distortions and if i have said yesterday you know to bring it into a onto a point it's we need to pay attention to particular features of our experience we usually don't pay attention to because we are very absorbed in certain features like we want to have more pleasant and less unpleasant for example and in that way we overlook a lot of information which could actually help us to break loose from that addiction to comfort which, you know, meanwhile has become a really dangerous thing because it drives us as a global community in direction of climate catastrophes. It's that addiction to comfort, not understanding. So that's a deep-seated um, delusional understanding of our role here on the planet and, and what it is all about, you know, to be born as a human being. And it's becoming more and more urgent, you know, that we start to understand what's really going on here. So first I'd like to speak about the word Dukkha. It's a Pali word and a Sanskrit word. And it's found in ancient Indian literature uh, being used for expressing concepts like unpleasant, distress, suffering, grief, pain, misery, sorrow, discomfort. So all of these uh, different qualities. And it consists of two parts. The word do means something like bad, ill-fitting, you know, not centered. And the second part, ka, means sky or space or hole. And in this context, it means the axle hole, which is in the center of the wheel. And it means, you know, it's an ill-fitting axle. And therefore, it gives us like a bumpy ride. And that's the experience, you know, of life. There is always something not quite meeting our expectations. And uh, Laura was speaking about the wobble yesterday, you know, the wobble which goes through the system. That's that, the wobble of Dukkha, because, you know, the axle is ill-fitting into the axle hole and therefore we're having a bumpy ride. And again and again, you know, we are bumping up against reality because our expectations are informed by ignorance and you know then we have also the concepts in in the Pali language Dukkha and Sukkha is the opposite so they all you know connect with that word Ka and one is is comfortable and the other one is is uncomfortable and in the four noble truths you know, we are learning very clearly that's the elephant footprint of the Buddhist teaching where it, be, it makes it very clear, you know, that the dukkha is not inherent in objects. 
but it's the result of our expectations and projections. So the first noble truth is there is Dukkha. The second noble truth is the origin of Dukkha, which is attachment. The third noble truth is the ending of Dukkha. And the fourth noble truth is the path, the noble eightfold path, which leads to the end of Dukkha. Because it's a mind training which helps us to look through all of those expectations and to let them go, to transform them into what's called in the context of the Bali teaching Nibbana, which is the freedom from all ignorance, realizing the unconditioned. And uh, in the scriptures, you know, it's spoken about three kinds of dukkha. The first one is dukkha dukkha, the suffering of suffering, which means simply, you know, physical and mental suffering due to old age, sickness and death, and the, all the distress, you know, which arises from that which is impermanent, not, you know, not reliable because it's constantly changing. So that's dukkha dukkha. The distress from that which is not desirable. Then the second one is Viparinama Dukkha, the suffering of change. Pleasant and happy experiences always do change into unpleasant experiences at one point. Simply, you know, when causes and conditions change for a pleasant experience, it changes into unpleasant experience. So that's the suffering of change. You know, they are all, these, those three kinds of dukkha, they are all uh, mutually, you know, meeting each other. So they are not like three categories, but it's just three windows, you know, of looking at dukkha, I would say. And then the last one is Sankara dukkha, all pervasive suffering. There's the dukkha of conditioned experience. So the basic unsatisfactory, pervasion of all existence because all forms of life change and they are impermanent without an unchanging core so without like an unchanging substance and therefore you know things never measure up really a hundred percent to our expectations or standards and that's not inherent in the things but that's the result of clinging for example, you know, if we are getting a new car or a new piece of jewelry or a new skirt, a new shirt, as my first teacher would say, Ajahn Buddhadasa, you know, if you wear it for a few days, it's no longer giving you that same hit. You know, it doesn't have the glow of novelty anymore. And then, you know, it's just like, okay, it's your car, you know, and your shirt or whatever it is. And I think you all know that. And this is what's meant with that dukkha. And it's not uh, anyone's fault, you know. It's just like a reality check, you know. And then in our culture, we are very much conditioned, you know, through advertisements and, you know, keep the business going, uh, make the economy strong, as it said, you know, to try to bank on that ignorance in us and try to make us believe that this is really possible. And I always remember, you know, when I'm driving um, from the, our monastery into San Francisco to teach there, there's these huge billboards on the side of the highway and there's a particular one, you know, which is so super sleek and elegant for all kinds of iPhones, you know, and this is so, so uh, done so well, you know, so uh, with so much uh, know-how where to hit you, so that even I, my whole body tells me this is really true, because the beauty of it is just so convincing, you know, and the elegance, and it's really hard to extract yourself from that uh, myth, really, it's very, very uh, enticing, and uh, and we need to understand that, you know, it's not not to 
enjoy the beauty of an iPhone even, you know, or a flower or whatever is out there, but just knowing that this kind of um, knee-jerk response can be abused, you know, can be abused with a lot of uh, strategy behind it. And, you know, I rather know that. And then I can still enjoy and can make a decision, you know, if I want to go that way or not. I think that's really important because everything in this world, you know, the most sublime beauty can be used for unskillful purposes. And that's something we need to know. You know, and, and we as, as human beings, there are certain um, structures, you know, I think which have been uh, also described, you know, as the, I think the golden mean, you know, if things have certain proportions, human beings or objects, you know, that's just considered beautiful for us. You know, it's, it, it's not something individual. It's just like a normal um, result of, of certain proportions that is translated for us as beautiful and as um, attractive, you know, and we need to know that. And then still we can enjoy it, but, you know, with a bit more space around it. Yeah, that's really important. And, uh, you know, that's also why Dukkha is one of the three characteristics of existence. Dukkha, discomfort, anicca, constant change, and anatta, not self or emptiness. So that's the three uh, signs of characteristic. Uh, the three characteristics of existence or the three signs of existence and at the same time there are three of the four vipalasa and then there's the number four which we were speaking about yesterday about um, uh, the beautiful so this addiction to comfort has driven us you know to the edge and uh, we need to really wake up to the limitations of our situation. And if we don't, you know, wake up to the limitations of this planetary existence, to the limitations of the biosphere, we will drive ourselves over the edge. And what we really need to understand is that we are not separate from the earth. And, uh, we speak more about that this afternoon in the context of the um, third Vipalasa. You know, to realize that we never really cut the umbilical cord with the earth. We are constantly in exchange with the earth and therefore with the whole universe, actually. And in order to realize that, you know, it's a real... Uh, becoming a bigger and bigger issue in the times of the Buddha, that wasn't really an issue. The, you know, the limits of the planet weren't really uh, touched then at all. They were just maybe the limits of the village or maybe the state, you know, or the, the kingdom. But there was no concept of climate catastrophe or limitations of the biosphere. But now we have gotten there, you know, 2,650 years later. And this teaching can help us to understand, you know, where we are going off. And at the same time, also knowing, you know, these challenges, they can bring out the best of our potential as human beings. This vulnerability, you know, of uh, the limits, you know, which our bodies need in order to exist. They need certain uh, conditions. And, you know, it, it looks like that we really need to hit that vulnerability in order for transformation to become so urgent that more and more of us turn towards it. So that seems to be totally necessary for transformation to really, you know, be close up to the limits of what is possible. And I really love the fact, you know, the German and French word blessure or blessure means wounding and it has the same root as the word blessing. 
So, you know, the wounding which we experience through the limitations of our form can actually be turned into a blessing if we take it on, you know, as a project to look at it and to investigate it. And that's, you know, what the unpacking of Dukkha can give to us. It can become a blessing. Even, you know, it's often seen as, for example, the whole concept of renunciation for monastics, for example, you know, is not uh, something which is very uh, attractive to many people because it's not understood on the first look, you know, that this uh, renunciation can actually be a relief. You know, not only for monastics, but also for, for anyone, you know, to just think through your priorities in your life. What do you really need in order to be happy, you know? So, this uh, vulnerability, you know, which is part of being born as a human being on the planet, helps us, you know, to grow into a greater understanding of what's going on and gives us a deeper and wider experience of being what's called like a homo sapiens sapiens. And the word sapere, where the word sapiens comes from, means actually in Latin it means to taste. It means to be really intimate, you know, with your experience. Like, you know, little babies, in order to really know what something is, they need to take it in their mouths because that's the only way they can really get intimate with something because that's the most developed sense at that point. And for us, you know, also that takes you know, to go really close, to become really intimate with what it means, Dukkha. To stop and reflect wisely onto our experience, as we were saying you know, at the beginning, the word Yoni so Manasikara. Yoni means womb, or it means, you know, to go back to the origin of the experience before it's overlaid with tones of projections to come back to the very origin in the moment rather than adding you know to the collective confusion and you know going in circles and and driving ourselves deeper and deeper into complex tangles of you know, of uh, approaches to life, you know, which don't really bring us the results we are looking for. So, you know, to take like what, what I call like a humble stance without desperation, because, you know, we, we can't really fix samsara, but we can try with all our might to do what we can to open up and to clear out those limitations which ignorance is, you know, throwing like a net over our whole experience. To remove that net through practicing. And, you know, the second Vipalasa Dukkha is actually the last one which goes away with Arahanthut. So it's a very pervasive one and it's the last one, you know, all of the other three, uh, especially, you know, the, the first one and the third one, they are seen through at stream entry. Then the Second, uh, the fourth one is seen through at non-returner, the third level. And uh, the second one, seeing what is painful dukkha as pleasant sukha, is just goes away at, at arahantship. So it's, it's a big thing to take on, you know, but nevertheless, we can start right now. And then just trusting the Dhamma. The Dhamma upholds those who uphold the Dhamma. The Dhamma has its own intelligence it's like you know if we are coming to the middle 
not holding on to the right or to the left bank of the river if we come back to the middle. The Dhamma will carry us. We don't need to pedal in that sense, you know. We just need to come to the middle, pedal, that we are coming to the middle and then going with that flow in the right direction. Not, you know, holding on left and right and trying to nail things down, but coming back to the middle again and again and trusting that those who uphold the Dhamma will be upheld by the Dhamma. Yeah, and reflecting on that gives me a sense of encouragement and a sense of trust, you know, that being carried by that flow and using the three refugees and the five precepts as a, you know, GPS or as a compass, we can trust, we go in the right direction, we don't go in the wrong direction and that's the most important thing, you know, to go in the right direction, we don't know what is going to happen next, we don't know how quick or how slow, it doesn't really matter as long as we go in the right direction, everything will be well. So I leave you with that and now Laura is going to guide us in a meditation. Thank you. So before we enter into the meditation, I want to speak to some of the supportive ingredients. The ingredients that actually support us to paddle into the middle. <laughs> like that image. So Sister Santachita talked about what it is to be a human being. That just being human is that we are uh, sentient, we're sensitive. And sometimes we're sensitive to the way the wheel is wobbling on its axle and sometimes we're sensitive to where the wheel is in alignment and when we meditate we're bringing in awareness which is just this openness that receives our experience in the moment. It's another dimension of consciousness, if you like, and yet something very simple and very immediate. And so coming back to that image of a boat coming into a harbour and how we naturally invite in and create the supportive conditions for this quality of awareness, this quality of simple noticing to come into play for us, come into being. So now we'll go into the meditation. We'll be meditating for half an hour and I'll guide at the beginning, but also leave you space to follow your inner guidance. To just take a few moments to settle into your posture. Either have your eyes 
gently open, looking at the floor in front of you or closing your eyes. Very gentle gesture of a turning inwardly. Coming to meet the sense of this body in this moment. Gently allowing that sense, felt sense of our body to come into our awareness. The overall sense of the body here now. In the body, we might feel the somatic resonance of feelings and emotions, tensions, just with a receptive and kind. attitude towards those feelings in the body. Just notice in this moment, do I want anything? Just seeing if we can let go of outcome for this practice. Acknowledge the wanting. And let it be without being in it. Do I want this feeling? to stop. Just acknowledging my experience in this moment. There's a sense of the body 
sitting, lying down or standing. With this invitation, can I let this experience of the body be here just as it is? And if I need to move, change posture, just allowing myself quietly and consciously to move when I need to. The feeling or the activity in the mind, however, your mind is mood or your inner thinking and mental activity. Just see if you can shift your attention and what you may be thinking about to the feeling tone in your mind. So the mind feels a bit scattered Being gently curious, how does that feel in the mind? Inviting, can I let this feeling be here? This feeling in the mind. The awareness, noticing, that feeling state is simple, soft, open, receiving, allowing.
feeling the touch of your body with the ground. And touch the ground or your leg with your hand. Gently sense what in this present moment can support you as a touchstone or an anchor. touch of the ground or the sense of being within the space of your room. Or the in and out flowing of the breath. Gentle, reminding connection points to being here. So we'll continue together in silence now.
So we are coming towards the end, this sitting. Gently notice where you are now, how you are inwardly. Just feel that transition to gently opening up, emerging from this meditation. Feel free to stretch, move when you're ready. And sister will say a few more words about the practice, I think, before we, before we close for the morning. So hand over to sister. Thank you. So, you know, again, some suggestions for you to take into the time when, I mean, we don't have formal meetings here on uh, Zoom, which, you know, a retreat like this really helps us to integrate the practice into our home situation, which is actually extremely important. That's why we do practice in order to have lives, you know, which are more connected with the way things truly are. So that's a real opportunity to see uh, how that is for you when you're trying in your own rooms, in your own uh, house, to really have the practice on the forefront of your mind, at least for the retreat. And, uh, you know, I suggest that uh, you bring some, you know, awareness to the fact how we are always have the tendency you know to lean into the future and you know that's just like a natural result I think of the vulnerability of our situation as uh, human beings you know those bodies which are actually not separate from the environment but in constant exchange through eating drinking breathing going to the bathroom, all of those things. And we're going to do a guided meditation on this this afternoon. But for now, you know, that's what's called the Sankara Dukkha, the all-pervasive Dukkha, which is simply the fact, you know, that everything is in constant flow. There are no separate things. But... It's, you know, an unlimited or incredible number of processes being together in this vast process we call, you know, planet Earth or universe. And therefore, you know, there's this tendency of wanting to protect this form, which is like on one level experienced a separate form in a conventional sense because you know I can see you you can see me we do exist but we don't exist in the way we think we do exist that is the point to realize that and you know that constant kind of looking for safety in the next thing in order to protect the form of us you know to notice that and to bring some compassion to that and some understanding to that and relaxing around it, then it won't be so 
overshadowing you know our experience but just being part of what it is to be here and allowing it to be what it is then it will you know the intensity of that need is gonna relax and with that relaxation there comes a deeper and wider range of experience and that's what we call you know is productive of insight you know going going down and opening up and through that you know having more information about what's really happening and then insights emerge out of that it's an emergence it's not something you know we can force but we can allow it to arise so you know when you're now getting up and uh, maybe you do some walking meditation maybe you're continuing with sitting or lying down maybe you're gonna prepare some meal or anything like that just seeing that uh, slight leaning into the future and checking it all out is it all okay is it all happening the way I want it to happen and to bring some kindness to that and at the same time you know not necessarily always responding to that but just allowing it to be there and feeling it thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and dharma seed please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate